Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Whether it's with someone close to you or someone you just met, sharing your faith can be difficult, but our God knows the challenge and his word contains wisdom for how to meet that challenge. In our current series, Living an Intentional Life, we're learning about the five eyes of evangelism. Identify, invest, intercede, inform, and invite. These five steps will help you to build a biblical strategy for bringing the gospel to others and watching for God to multiply your efforts. We're glad you're listening and we hope this series will renew your commitment to spread the good news. Now let's listen in. If you uh, have your Bibles, I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and grab them. Uh, Maybe you're gonna use an app on your phone, which is awesome too, you can grab that. We're gonna open up to Acts chapter one. We're gonna jump all over the place really today, but Acts chapter one is where we're gonna start. Uh, and where we'll kind of be our central text for this morning. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'd love for you to grab one. There's uh, on the table as you came in, there's a Bible there, at least one uh, that's there. We'd love for you to grab that and it can be your gift uh, this morning. We'd love for you to take that home. It can be yours and uh, begin to read it and, and hear God, read God's word. We, we believe God's word transforms and, and God uses it to transform our lives. And so we'd love for you to have a copy of that. So we're in the middle of a series called uh, Living, Living an intentional life, just as Christ lived an intentional life. It tells us uh, before his, resurre- before his uh, crucifixion and resurrection, it says this, that Jesus says to the Father uh, in chapter 17 of the book of John, he says, I have glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. And, and I mean, I got to think about you know, like Jesus living an intentional life, doing all the things that God had called him to do, giving, he finished the work that God had called him to do. And I don't know what it would feel like. I don't know if you can just imagine what it would feel like to get it all done. Right, Jesus says at the end of his, like the hours before he goes to the cross, he got it all done. I mean, all the boxes were checked. There was no loose ends. Everything was the way it was supposed to be. He got it all done. I can't even remember what I'm supposed to get done, much less get it all done. But Jesus got it all done. And he, he completed all that he was sent to do. And then he sent us, he sent his disciples. And because we, as followers of Christ, we are his disciples today, he sent us to continue the work. What he, what he finished and the portion that God had given him, he sent us as his disciples to continue. And that's why we live an intentional life, to carry out that work and carrying the gospel to the places and the people that he's put us around. And so this, this week we continue that series, Living an Intentional Life. And we identify, we started with the five eyes. And remember we said this, that the five eyes are just a tool. They're just a, something to help us remember kind of what we're doing as we're walking through and thinking about evangelism and whatnot. And And so the five eyes we said were uh, identify, invest, intercede, inform, and invite. Identify, invest, intercede, inform, and invite. And so we started the first week with identify. And we asked you if you had just to kind of think about, and we gave out cards, and I think there's some of these left as well. Gave out cards, and we asked you just to think about maybe the five people in your life that that you're just not sure about their relationship with Jesus, where they are with Jesus. Maybe you know they went to church when they were kids, but they don't, just, there's nothing, they, they don't have, they're not going to church now. And so you just question that, that hey, where are they with, with Christ? And so to write those down, and, and I, I meant to say this last week and the week before probably too, but we're not asking you to write them down as a project. We don't want, them to, we don't want you to see people as a project, right? People are people. People are, are created in God's image, but we, this is a helpful, again, tool for us to be reminded that God's put somebody on our hearts and to be intentional in praying for them and investing. And that's what we talked about last week is investing. 
We talked about investing and what investing means is being prepared, right? Always being ready to give an answer for the hope that you have, being prepared. And, and we talked about how investing is really probably more practical than we often imagine, that we make it more difficult than it usually is, that it really looks like being a good friend and a good neighbor, right? Like listening to people and living life with people, sharing with them their ups and downs and learning what's going on in their lives. I love the phrase that I've heard many times in reference to evangelism, and I meant to say it last week and I just forgot. It's this, it says that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's just, the, I mean, that, that's the essence of investing, right? When we invest, we earn the right through relationship to speak into the places that, the, the, the things that are going on in their lives and, and the truth that changes their lives and the truth that changes our lives. We invest and they don't care how much we know unless, we, unless they know how much we care. And this week, right in the middle, we're going to talk about interceding. And I think it's pretty, in, in, in pretty incredible that really in the five eyes as we kind of line this out, and again, this is just the way that the Lord puts these things together, that right in the center, right in the center of all of it is prayer. Right in the center of all of what we, this, this inviting or investing and, 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 and identifying and all the other part, that, that interceding, that prayer is in the central place for all of us as we walk through this. And we're... We read this passage last week in, in Acts chapter 1, and I feel like it'll come up almost every week. It, it just kind of, it, it, it really captures where we are, but it's Luke's great commission text. And it says in Acts chapter 1, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And we talked about this, that all the things that he could have said, all the things that, that Luke could have written there, that, that, that Jesus could have said there, that you will be my witnesses. He could have said worshipers. He could have said Bible study leaders. He could have said all those things, but he said witnesses. The calling on our lives. You will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And at the center of all of that was prayer that these that the disciples prayed and the prayer that sent these men out. And over the next few minutes, what I, what I hope is we have our time together is to communicate the importance of, but also by God's grace, stir our hearts to compel us to commit to interceding for those people that God has, has put on our hearts as identifying, as, as we just want to know where they are in their relationship with Christ and we're intentionally investing in. Because then if you have your worship guide, this is our first blank there. Because I believe that prayer, I believe that prayer is a vital part of God's plan for carrying the gospel to the lost. That prayer is a vital part. It's central. It's a central part. To, the God, to God's plan to carrying the gospel to the lost. Before we continue, let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for this morning and for the songs that we've sang this morning. And God, just the, that reminder that, we, that what we do in, in, as we intercede, as we speak the name of Jesus, that, that we're calling on you to move in mighty ways and transform lives because only you can change lives. God, you've put us in these places. God, you've put us with people and you've, you've opened our eyes and helped us identify people in our lives that, God, you, that, that, that you want us to invest in. And, and God, what we know that we have to do is we've got to call on your name to give us the courage, but also to pray for them that you would change their lives, that you would do your work. God, it's in your name that we pray. Amen and amen.
So I want to begin with a little reminder of what prayer is or, or really kind of the purpose of prayer before we close with a couple of points that we'll talk about what it means to intercede. And so we want to start with Luke chapter 11. So we'll go back a little bit. Luke wrote Acts as well. So we're just same guy's going to be writing. We're just going to go back uh, a little bit. And, and Luke is telling the story of when Jesus' disciples, and remember Luke wasn't one of the disciples, so he's listening to, to, to these guys kind of tell the story of what's going on and, 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 and writing that down from there. But so he's he's telling the story of when Jesus' disciples go to Christ and ask him how, what it, how to pray. They, they want to know how to pray. It says in Luke chapter 1 or Luke chapter 11 verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus' disciples, they hear John, John's buddy, John's disciples. John, remember this is John the Baptist. He's, he's got disciples and, and actually some of John's disciples end up being Jesus' disciples. If you, if you kind of read through the Gospels there, some of those guys kind of move over and they start following Jesus as, as his disciples. But they're kind of hanging out and they're, they're, he, they see John or Jesus praying and, and they know that John has taught his disciples how to pray. And they're like, okay, can you teach us how to pray like John did? Because they want to know. They, they feel deficient. It's a, they, they feel deficient in this area of prayer. They, they kind of feel like they don't know how to do it and they want to know. And Christ is the one that's going to teach them. And, and I know this is kind of an aside, maybe just a little bit, but I feel like it's important for us to kind of, kind of talk about this morning. The, the disciples, they wanted to know how to pray. They felt deficient, right? And so they go to Jesus to ask. And, and I, I think that I know the answer to this question, but I feel like in, the room, in this room that many of us have felt the way that these disciples feel in this moment, where we feel deficient. We feel like we don't really know how to pray. Like we see other people pray. We think other people do it really well, but we don't think that we know how to pray really well. So the disciples felt that way, but they go to Jesus to find out what to do. And, and, and if I'm honest with you and, and just about my own life, I feel that way a lot of times as well. I feel that way. I feel that, that deficiency. I feel that like I don't really know what to say or how to say it. I, I'm afraid of saying the wrong things. I, I mean, I know that I'm a pastor and what I'm supposed to say is that I love to pray and I do. And, and, and you know, like what you're like pastors, I'll get a t-shirt that says I love to pray whenever we, uh, whenever we get called into ministry. And I know that my family feels like I'm the one who prays because every like family gathering, they're like, well, you're the one that gets paid to pray. I'm like, I, I really, I did. I mean, <laughs> I guess I'm the professional in this. And I do, I love to pray, but I'm nervous. I'm nervous at family gatherings. I'm nervous in my community group. I'm nervous here. I'm nervous when I'm praying at night with my kids. I get nervous when I'm praying with my, I mean, I, I, I feel the same way. This like, God, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. Am I gonna say the right things? And even sometimes when I'm alone, I feel that way. And I, and I feel this deficiency. And if you feel that the same way that these disciples did, then the reality, you're not alone. But the disciples, what they did is when they felt that they went to the Lord and they went to Jesus to ask him how to pray, to teach them. And, and the good news is that Jesus was eager to teach them how to pray. He was ready to teach them how to pray. He didn't push back. He was ready to, and to have this conversation. He was ready to teach them. And so, he, and, and in this, he teaches us how to pray. And so let, let's, let's get to it. It's a couple of things that, that are in the, Lord prayer, in the Lord's prayer that are overall how to pray, but it also teaches the purpose of prayer. And the first right there in the beginning, it says this, that Jesus says to them, when you pray, say, Father. He said, say, Father. He begins with this, and God, the next 
blank there in your worship guide if you're following along. It says that God uses prayer to change our position. Because he begins by saying, say, Father. He uses prayer. What God does is he uses prayer to change us from selfish, prideful, independent individuals to those who are dependent on him as our Father. Our good, faithful, and loving compassionate, everlasting father. And it reminds us that if he's our father, then we're his children. That it changes, it, it changes or shifts our position. It helps us understand where we are. It, 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 that he is, his place is father. That's who he is. And that's, that's, his, that's, that's the place that he has in our lives. And that means that we are his children. And honestly, child is really the 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 the, the, the the identity that I most treasure that, I, that you find in scripture for believers, this identity as child is the one that I most treasure. Because it really, I, I can be a lot of things, but I'm the child of God. And if you kind of go through John or, or go through scripture, it tells us over and over again, it says, yet to all who receive him, Jesus says this, to all who receive him, those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Second Corinthians, he says, and, and I will be to you, a father to you, and, and, I, and you will be my sons, says the Lord's, Lord Almighty. And in Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, so you will no longer be slaves, but God's children. And since you are children, God has also made you heir. He says, you, we, you and I, as we trust Christ for salvation, what, we, what we're reminded of when we begin to pray, we say, Father, it reminds us that we're his children. And as his children, it means that we belong to him, that we are his possession. And we come to the Father in full dependence on him. We come to the Father knowing that he's ready and able to provide all of our needs. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. It says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give, you a, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? He's ready and he's able and willing to give all that we need, all that we need to live the life that he's called us to live. Our Father, the purpose of prayer is to, to change and to kind of move our positions for us to realize that, that we are his children. And this next, God uses prayer to shift our perspective. He uses prayer to shift our perspective. Listen, it continues. Jesus says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Prayer turns our eyes from our kingdom to his kingdom. Paul Tripp says this, an author and, and pastor says this. He says, prayer calls, us, calls me to abandon the present as my only lens of life and to commit to looking at life from a, from a perspective of eternity. Prayer calls me to abandon my obsession with my wants and my needs and my feelings and turn my eyes to his kingdom. Prayer calls it, it shifts that perspective. It puts, it, it changes it from being all about me to all about him and his kingdom and his, and what his glory, right? I mean, and, and as you read this prayer, this model prayer that Jesus gives us, it's striking how much of the prayer is about his kingdom or about others and not as much about us. 
And that's what we do, what, what the purpose of prayer is to kind of shift that perspective. And, and, this, and the, the way that we pray shifts that perspective to say, God, I'm putting my eyes on you and your kingdom. And God is rescuing us in, in prayer. When we pray, he rescues us from our small and insignificant little kingdoms where we're trying to fill ourselves with our wants and our needs and all the things that we think that will make life better. And he invites us into his kingdom where all things are the way that he desires them to be. That's what he says, that he rescues us from our own kingdom, from our little kingdoms, from living for ourselves. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this. He says, and he died for all, Jesus died for all, that those who live no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That he rescues us from our own little kingdoms and puts us puts our perspective and shifts our perspective to his kingdom. And that's not to say that we don't bring our needs to him, right? That's not, that's not at all because scripture tells us that in general. It tells us in, in, in 1 Peter, it says to cast our anxieties and our cares on him because he cares for us. So we bring our needs to him. That's definitely the place that we do. But it's not all about God, just give me, give me. But looking at him, prayer shifts our perspective to his kingdom. So it begins by shifting that or changing that position to, from, from selfish and, and, and depend, independent to dependent on him as the father. And it shifts that perspective to his kingdom, but it also aligns our passions. It aligns our passions. God uses prayer to align our passions. Jesus came to establish his kingdom on earth to restore all that sin had broken. To use the words of uh, author Sally Lloyd-Jones, writer of the uh, Jesus Storybook Bible, she says he came to make all the sad things untrue. It was his passion, and we see it in his action. Jesus, when he comes, he heals the hurting, right? He, he restores sight to the blind. He gives hope to the hopeless. And what he does when, in all of his miracles, when he, when he heals and, and brings restoration to broken bodies, he's, ushers, he's putting an outward display of him ushering in the kingdom of God here on earth. And he's declaring, this is what life is like in the kingdom. And so he does that. He's declaring that, that with all the destruction of, that sin has caused, it's being wiped away. And nothing pictures that more clearly than the restoration of relationship of a holy God with a, with a, with a man who is unsinful and broken. Jesus himself says that this is the reason that he came. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is why he came to restore what was broken. And, and all that he does is to come is to come in that, in the prayer, what, what happens is we begin to align our passions to his. So our passions, our drives, what motivates us is what motivates Jesus because what Jesus is doing, what it tells us in scripture is Jesus is interceding for his people, always interceding for his people. Hebrews chapter seven, verse 25, it says this, therefore he is able to save completely those who God those who come to God through him because he, is always, he always lives to intercede for them. Scripture tells us that what Jesus is doing now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, is that he is interceding for us. He's praying for us. He's asking the Father on our behalf the things that we don't even know how to ask for ourselves. He's praying the prayers that we don't even know how to pray for ourselves because, because we don't even know really what we need, but he knows what we need more than we know what we need. And so he's there on our behalf praying to the Father for all of his people is what it says. And so it makes us this, this brings us to the turn that God uses 
for the last couple of minutes to talk about intercession and kind of zoom in on what it, what, what it is and how we do it because God uses prayer to transform people. God uses prayer to transform people. I, I, I tell you that I can't completely understand how this happens. I don't know how, how God uses prayer, our prayers to transform others. I, I, and, but I know that, that some of you know from personal experience that there have been prayers that people have prayed that are directly the reasons why you are where you are today. And maybe you don't know. Maybe you don't know that there, there are praise, prayers that people prayed that for you that have brought you to the place that you are right now. But I, I can tell you that personally in my life, I think about, as I, as I think about people interceding for me and praying for me, my grandfather is one of those, one of those individuals that I know, and especially in the last decade of his life, that there wasn't a time that I saw him in person or talked to him on the phone that when we ended the conversation that he would let me know that he was praying for me. And sometimes he let me know what he was praying for me. And sometimes when he told me what he was praying for me, it made me a little nervous because I was like, wait a minute, I don't know that I want God to do that. Because that dude, he walked with the Lord and I believe that God would give him what he asked for. It's like, don't pray that prayer. But, but I believe that I'm here today because of the, the faithful prayers of, of my grandfather and other individuals, my mom and my dad and other individuals that, that interceded on my behalf. And, and I believe that many of you, even though you may or may not know it, that you're here today and, and God is working in your lives. And maybe you're not even at a place where God has transformed your life. Maybe you're still wrestling with what that looks like. But I'm telling you that, that it's the prayers of individuals that are praying for you that God is using to transform our lives. And so what he tells us, it, it, what Paul says when he writes to Timothy, urges the people there. He says, I urge you then, first of all, of most importance, that petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people. What Paul tells Timothy is, as he's setting up the church, he's like, hey, of first importance, for you as a church, as you are setting this church up, I, I need you to know that the first thing that we're doing is praying and interceding for all people. And he gives a list, the kings and those that are in authority, that you may live a peaceful life, a quiet life, and godly and holiness. This is good and pleasing to God the Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Listen, this is just when we intercede, this is the next blank on your, on your outline, that intercession Interceding for unbelievers is praying the prayers that they don't know how to pray for themselves. When we intercede for somebody, when we intercede for the people that are on, on our card that we're just not necessarily sure about where they are with their relationship with Jesus, what we're doing is we're praying the prayers that they don't know how to pray for themselves. It's what we said about Jesus, that he's praying, at the, he's at the, Father, at, the, at the Father's right hand and he's asking on our behalf, the Father, for things that we don't even know that we need. And that's what we do when we step in to pray for others. It's because we earn this right. And as we invest, as we've identified these individuals and, and the people in our lives, and maybe they're not written on a card, but you know who they are and you're investing as it happens. You know them better and better. You know the things that are, that are heavy on their hearts, the deep longings that, that, that they have, the fragile places where they're searching for hope and peace and joy and other things that you know are not gonna satisfy them. And, and all of that time you learn who they are and you begin to pray. You ask God for what they don't even know to ask for themselves. 
Or they, you know that they're asking for it, but they're not asking the right place. Because they're asking for hope or they're seeking hope. But you're going to say, Jesus, would you be their hope? Jesus, would you be their peace? Would you be their comforter? Would you be their guide in the midst of the chaos that they're facing? Would you be their light in the darkness? Jesus, would you be their joy? Because they're looking for joy in places that they're never going to find it. It's never going to satisfy them. Jesus, would you be their savior? Because they're looking for a savior in other things. But you're the only one who can be their savior. Would you be their Lord and their rescuer and their redeemer and their friend? We begin asking God to be the things that they don't even know how to ask for themselves. We're doing what Paul writes to the Ephesians, the Ephesian believers, and asking, we're asking this, these words in, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, the second half of verse 18, it says that they would grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know the love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure, to the measure of all fullness of God. Specifically, he's praying this for the, individual, for the, for the Ephesian church. But I, but I believe that we can pray that the same for those who are not believers. That they would see, they would understand how wide and how long and how deep and how wide, how how. High, how high, that was the other one. How long and high and deep and wide the love of Christ is and to know the surpassing knowledge that they would be filled to the full measure of him. And it continues in verse, verse 20 and says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to the power that has worked within us. In him be glory in the church forever. In church, Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever, Amen. And that verse 20 and 21 remind us of this, that he's the one who does the work. And if you have your outline, that, that unbelieving family and friends are not, are not our burden to bear, but our prayer to pray. That unbelieving family and friends are not our burden to bear, but our prayer, but they are our prayer to pray. That only God can transform our heart. We can't do it. It's not our role, it's not our burden to transform their heart, but we cry out that they would know this, this, and we're asking the one who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine to fill their hearts, that they would know how deep and how wide and how high and how long the love of God is, that they would know the full measure of that, that because it's only him that can transform the hearts. And we ask him who is able to do immeasurably more. The last thing that God uses his people to play a part in the answers to the prayers that we pray. Luke chapter 10, again, Luke, I just, he just crushes this throughout the gospels. He says, he says, he told them, Jesus says, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord, for the, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Verse three, go. I'm sending you out like lambs among the wolves. It's pretty clear from Jesus' words that he's called them to pray to the Lord of the harvest that, that he would send out workers in there. But he also, not only are they responsible to pray, but he gives them the second half of that responsibility in a one-word sentence. In one word sentence, he says, go. You're going to pray. You're going to ask God to send out workers to the Lord of the harvest. And the very next thing Jesus is going to say is, Go. 
Corten Boom writes this, and I think it's just so fitting as we kind of wrap this up. He says this, that we never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will get us involved in his plan for the answer. If we are true intercessors, we must be ready to take part in God's work, in part in God's work on behalf of the people who we are praying for. If we're, interce- if we're interceding for people, if we're asking God to send, send out workers into the harvest, we don't know how he's going to answer that prayer, but we can guess, we can have a good idea that he's going to use us to be a part of that. It's still not our burden to bear, but it is our prayer to pray, and then it is our calling to go, to share the gospel with those who God's put in, put in front of us, that he's placed us around you know, one of the things as we, as we th- talked about it this week that in preparing for uh, this morning, one of the pastors uh, that's teaching at our Franklin campus this morning was like, man, why don't, we, why don't we not just talk about prayer, but why don't we spend some time actually doing what we're talking about? And I was like, that's a novel idea. I wish it was mine. <laughs> Let's rewind and I'll say it and I'll sound smart. So we just decided that we were just going to kind of give some space this morning for us. And we invite the band to come back up. And we've got some, some prompts that we're just going to put on the, on the screen and really just going to ask the Lord to do some things. We've got a couple areas that we're just going to pray through and just ask him to do, to move in these ways. And, and this is what I'm going I'm to do. We'll stand up here. I'm going to give you, we'll, we'll start with the first one. They're just going to kind of play behind us and they'll just be some quiet for us. I'm going to give you just some space, 30, 45 seconds, just to, in this moment as we give the prompt, just to, for you to pray silently where you are for maybe the people that are on your list or maybe whoever it is that kind of brings up in this prompt that, that we talk, because we'll talk about not only in, in our little circles, but nationally and, and globally and kind of thinking all the way across all of our missions efforts. But I want to invite you to be a part of this. And just where you are, to just ask the Lord to move in these different areas. And then we'll close with a song that really is kind of our cry to the Lord and asking him to move in our hearts and on our behalf. So if you'll just bow your heads and, and, and I'll just kind of give these prompts to you. If you want to, you don't have to bow your heads if you don't want to. But if you feel more comfortable in that position. But we're just going uh, to spend some time. The first, first of these is this. We just pray for the salvation of the people in your home and or your family and friends. And just a couple, a couple seconds here, just asking God to move and interceding for those individuals. Next, let's pray for the salvation of the people in your neighborhood or in your your apartment complex, those who you live around. Hopefully we can call some of these individuals by name that we know. Next, we're going to pray for the 
salvation of the people in our community. Maybe that's our schools, and our sports teams, and that's our work, the people that we're around on a, on a regular basis that are not our neighbors, but we just see them on a regular basis. Maybe it's somebody that you see at the grocery store, somebody that works at the grocery store, and you just know their name or you know their face, and you just pray that God would move and transform their lives. of the individuals in our city. Maybe you don't know names of a whole lot of folks in this, and that's more generic, but there's 200 some odd people who came to a family, a fall fest yesterday that we can just ask the Lord just to move in their lives. There's a lady named Miss Amanda who was here yesterday and a guy named Cord. Pray for them. salvation of people in our nation and for the church planners that we partner with uh, in Phoenix and Atlanta and in Miami, that as they share the gospel in their cities, that God would use them to reach the lost. let's pray for the people around the world that don't know Jesus. People that live in places where the gospel has not yet reached them, that God would send the gospel to them. That he would send workers into those fields. In the work of Justice and Mercy International, our missions efforts that in Moldova and Brazil, that God would use them to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. in our city, 
God, in the lives of those that we met yesterday at the Fall Fest, God, that your name would be known, your, your, your will would be done in the lives of those individuals who have not yet put their faith in you. God, that your name would be clear to them, your will would be done in our nation, God, with our church planners in Phoenix and Atlanta and in, in Miami, that as the gospel is proclaimed, that you would reach the lost and your will would be done. God, and uh, on the far reaches of the jungle in Brazil and the Amazon jungle, that, those, that you would use those jungle pastors in mighty, incredible ways to bring your kingdom, your kingdom, your will be done. In homes in Moldova, today into the far reaches of the world. And your will, because your word tells us is that none should perish. Your will is that all would come to a saving knowledge of you. And so we pray, God, that you would move in a mighty way. And God, as we move into a song that just, that, that really is our prayer for our own hearts, God, we pray that you would remind us that we often bear so many burdens that God, if we would just bring them to you, that you would carry them for us. That you are near to us and you hear us when we call on you. Would you be glorified in your kingdom come? It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app or follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. See you next time.